Awesome date. June 20th, 2009. Awesome topic. I command you to listen to this podcast. But you have to have direct line of sight. God damn it. Well, this is still the awesome cast. And welcome back to the Awesome Cast, our completely jam-packed, full of people Awesome Cast. I'm Basil. I'm Kevin. I'm Katie. I'm Rail. And I'm Douglas. And that's us. You've never heard Katie before, and there's a reason for that. We've mentioned we're doing a contest where we want you to tell us about books that we should read by emailing us, awesomecast at gmail.com. Try to keep it to like one or two books or series. I know that some people, certain people, foster people, are giving us lists. Lists are great, but we can only read so much. So, I'm just saying. Also, helps if you email it to us and not post it in the comment section. Comments are great, just about the podcast not the point was for us to actually make use of our email space just just saying just saying <laughs> anywho's the prize for this is a brand new book that's never been read before because it's just now been self-published by the authors hi exactly <laughs> our yes, special super high. awesome guest star this week so the book's called playing the hero yep why is it awesome well, it's because the entire cast is aliens. It's a young adult adventure about... Sorry. <laughs> I don't talk loud. Into the microphone. All right. <laughs> it's a young adult adventure about Vathion, who is a Gilon boy. And his dad is famous, but nobody knows. And he can't tell anybody. Until one day his dad dies. And then his life sucked. Hmm. That does suck. Does it get better? Well, he gets to drive around in a fleet of battleships. Does he lay any cute girls? Yes. Oh, man. (laughs) Tell us about those. Um, since this is a young adult book, I tried to keep the uh, sex theme kind of under the rug, but it's there. It's this big kind of unwieldy lump in the rug so that you can definitely <laughs> see it's there if you're looking it's for a, it. It's a throbbing. <laughs> for all you know, in they were the in there playing. For all yes. you know, they were in there playing Parcheesi <laughs> naked. That reminds me of a... Sorry, never mind. I'll avoid talking about fan fiction here. 
That's okay. That's where I started. Well, it just re- reminds me of this great fan fiction I read one time where the characters were convinced that these two other characters were ha- totally having sex in this room. Like, they were standing outside the door, they were listening to all this banging and screaming, and then they opened the door and they were literally moving furniture. Uh <laughs> huh. I heard one where it was a, a stuck zipper that they had. They were having problems getting somebody into a zipper. Yeah, that, that's clearly what was going on. It clearly wasn't totally anything awesome. else. Well, it's like a sci-fi space opera kind of thing? Yes, exactly. Oh. Um, did they sing? <clears throat> no. Not that kind of space opera. <laughs> are there gigantic fleet battles? Or there battles? Are, there are three, actually. And I tried to do it in a, a different way than what you would normally expect. You, from what I've seen in, in other books, you would normally expect a, uh, uh, battleships in space mm-hmm. to be shown from outside the ship. Battleship A shot Battleship B, and they exploded in this gloomy thingy. <laughs> Yeah, it's a technical term. That's very technical. But uh, no, I take it actually from Vathion's point of view on the bridge. Uh And unfortunately, this means that it's a lot boring for him. He's like, when is the battle going to (laughs) start? That type of thing. (laughs) But on the other hand, he's busy running around trying to catch the guy who uh, killed his father, only to have somebody else interfere and cover all the evidence. Oh, yeah. There's so intrigue. And a murder mystery type thing. No, actually it's not. Because oh. I hmm. kind of sort of closed the who killed Natan topic fairly soon in the book. Because that was just too big a topic to cover in the first book. I am working on the second still. Okay, and then. Yeah. I have plans and who killed Natan at... In first book, not gonna work with my plans. Oh. Oh. So this is a set saga then? Like, you've got a, a plan much... Yes. Do you know how many books that you're planning on putting in the series, or is it pretty open-ended that you're just gonna... There are... I have an overall story arc that I'm working on, uh-huh. and playing the hero and symbol of hope go together. Uh, Faith on Silver Wings is taking on a separate character mm-hmm. but it's in the same universe and the character his backstory is important to know before he shows up in the final book which is Victory Station Okay, um, that's the way it is with uh, at least two of the other books that I have planned there's one unnamed book currently and it deals with the Illurians and then there's Frontier Station which actually finally deals with the humans <laughs> Humans? You don't need humans in this nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like you've got plenty of uh, character and intrigue going with just the aliens, but uh, this is just random question, but how are the aliens different from humans in your setting? Well, when I create aliens, I try to pick one thing that is different about them from humans. And with the Gilon, for example, the sense of smell is their primary scent, or sense. So they, their entire culture is based off of scent groupings. Like they make association bonds with their family and then close friends. 
And if something happens to one of those family members or close friends, uh-huh. you get the entire group on you. If you yeah. hurt one of their friends, they're kind so of so it's a, a little more like a a dog sort of wolf pack mentality that's mm. going because that's also a that's an example of a species on our planet that uses its scent primarily. Sort of, but it's a little bit more complicated than that because okay. they use scent for matings too. Oh. Mating, which is why the sex topic is kind of a lumpy under the rug thing, is because it's with Natan dead. Vathion's mother, Hasabi, is going to die, too. Uh. Yes. Uh. Which puts a big strain on Vathion, as he's at a point in his life where his, his personal scent is going to change and make him smell like an adult to his mother. And she's been living without her mate for 16 years. Creepy. Which means that her body is going to start telling her, okay, my child is an adult, I can go die now. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, which really screws up Vathion's relationships with his best friend, wannabe girlfriend, Mirith. Mm. Awkward. Yeah. Very. Interestingly alien. And then there is the Hyphogos. The Hyphogos. Yes, the Hyphogos are kind of six, seven inch long, about the the length of a shoe or something, semi-symbiotes. They can merge and disengage with the Gimon at will, and they are telepathic by touch. They can speak, too, but as a result, they have highly, highly communal knowledge bases. It's not yeah. like a hive mind, because mm-hmm. each high focus is an individual, but their theory on death is that memory lives on. If one high focus dies, all their association group will... Ass- assimilate all the uh, knowledge that the Hyphokos has gathered in his lifetime, and just, that's how their memory lives on. Hmm. What, kind of like a library or a database? Kind of like a database, yeah. (laughs) Kind of like the internet. Only living. Yes. And not a series of tubes. (laughs) No. Do they have a 4chan? What? Oh, oh, God. Oh, God. There's one. I can just see one. There's one little group of these aliens that's sitting there just. Terrible thing. There's a whole bunch of B-tards, like. You don't want one of those to enter into yeah. a relationship with you. Long high focus is long. <laughs> that's terrible. Let's wait till we actually read it. <laughs> so, any other final things to. To encourage people to try for this contest or buy this book, and how one could buy this book if they just want to buy it anyways? Uh, well, reason you should buy it is because it's cool, and I spent a really, really long time writing it and editing and editing and editing. editing <laughs> Speaking of that, how long did it take you to write it? Well, I had the original thought for the plot line. It was actually a dream I had. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it down. And that was about five or six years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. The first incarnation of the book was playing the hero and symbol of hope all together in one big thing that I was calling For God and the Empire. Mm-hmm. And my first beta readers said, this is way too jumbled. You should cut it in half. And so I did. And that's playing the hero is the first half of that. Okay. Where Vathion has to deal with... Um, 
his second in command and his bridge crew being kind of dicks. <laughs> well, they've got to learn to trust him. Yes. He's not in their association group, therefore they don't quite trust him. Yeah. So. Okay, well, that sounds interesting. As for where you can buy it, if you want to buy it, you can buy it off my website. There's a link in the buy the book section. And my website is natanfleetshow.com. That's N-A-T-A-N fleetshow.com. And there will be, you know, in the show notes, there'll be links to this. Link. As we have the past couple of times. It's not Nathan. I learned the first time. Are you sure? <laughs> I think you did it twice. Well, that was, I, we recorded two episodes. Well, he learned the then. second time. He learned. <laughs> <laughs> the Nathan Fleet Show. No, it's Natan. It's okay. I called Sevian Cleveland, so it works out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there we go. And like you said. If you want an easy way to win this, we've got two books sitting in my room right now waiting to be shipped off. And we're doing this contest until the end of July. We might extend if I don't get enough entries to really do a good one till August, but we've got copies. If no one puts anything in, I claim one. Okay. So, you know, or go to the Natan Fleet show and order one. They're like 10 bucks plus shipping. That oh, sounds good. Nine ninety five plus shipping, which is about two dollars if you go cheap. And this company is owned by Amazon, so they get it to you fast. They do. And yeah. I, I did check out the copies. I I did get in. They are they're well bound. They're not like bad books. They are paperback, and it's but it's good stuff. You're not like buying a crappy book or anything as far as you know packaging goes, and of course not as writing goes, because we would endorse something that wasn't awesome. Great endorsement there, Basil. <laughs> Way to really sell yeah. our guest star's product. I want to read it. I <laughs> command you to buy this book. Basil, Darn it, Basil, we already covered this. this. <laughs> oh, crap. There's a guy in the Code GSDS game who can command people with the sound of his voice. You shut your pie hole, shut Kevin. <laughs> We're going to talk about that later. All right. Well, in that case... The brain bird compels you. We will move straight on. <laughs> Into news, world of awesome, go. Now, this past weekend, because we're either we're recording a week in advance, but I swear this past weekend was Anime Expo, which was, of course was in California, largest anime con ever on this side of the world, had uh, forty four thousand people show up. Holy damn! Yep, anime is mainstream now. Yes. Like it's, um... Hey, we, imagine that. It's like morning Moose Bay was there. And, morning Moose <laughs> was there. Dear Lord, we are yeah. the mainstream. Yeah. And so, you know, stuff happened and... You know, the funny thing is, back when I was in high school, my art teacher told me, anime is going out of style. Really? Well, your yeah. art teacher was wrong. <laughs> uh, I respect her otherwise, but that was just wrong. <laughs> well... Art teachers. I I shake my head indignantly, which the people over the radio can't see. <laughs> which is just, oh, the indignation of it all. I remember when I, I was in high school, I was like the only person that watched anime. Like, I was that weird girl that watched the Japanese cartoons. Which is odd, considering that I'm a guy. So. <laughs> yes, I was that same thing too, the weird, which I guess weird girl. That watches. might have been why they were calling me the weird girl, not the anime thing. Hmm. So anyways, so there was news, and 
There was a crap ton of news. In fact, yeah, I was still sorting it out that I noticed our listeners, Nico, he had compiled his top ten, so I just plucked from that and told him I was stealing it. So here we go. His first big thing is that they're making a Trigun movie. It's, a, it's an honest to God, I th- I'm pretty sure it's animated by Madhouse, animated in Japan, like this is an actual, just a Trigun movie. Sweet! They apparently, uh, it was an actually announced in 2005 initially, but no one's heard anything until now, until they showed the trailer. That everyone forgot. <laughs> which featured, I believe, the dub cast for it, because it was, you know. Weird. An American anime con. But it looked good, it looked like it was actually, it's sort of taking the Cowboy Bebop movie approach. It does it. It's not placed at the end of the movie. It's sort of its own one-off, so almost like extended TV episode. Hmm. Some point before Ed and Ian left Spike and Company, this adventure happened. Before um um the Wolfwood, oh, debacle. Good. Before so Wolf Wolfwood's in it. Oh good. In fact, him and Vash apparently maybe have a fight. Ooh. You mean have sex? No, a, a fight. Oh. Guns. With manly guns? I can hope! Possibly. (laughs) Anywho, it... The trailer looked neat off YouTube. It was a camera, so, you know. (laughs) Who knows? And Viz says, you know, I've heard people complain about One Piece, how the manga in the U.S. is nowhere near the manga what is in Japan. Yeah, nowhere near. Yeah, Viz is going to fix that in 2010. Oh? Between January and June, they're releasing five volumes a month. That sounds like a lot. Yeah, they're um, they're starting with volume twenty four in January and ending, and they're gonna stop doing it in volume fifty three in June. Well, That's like wow. more than a volume a week. Yeah. Why are they doing this? To catch them up. Oh, like they've done um, they've done smaller release marathons with Naruto and Bleacher Four, but ne- nothing on this scale. Mm-hmm. And I think they're just trying to shove one piece to try and because it's still gigantic and huge in Japan. Yeah. That never reached that quite critical mass in, in, in America. Well, part of the reason why it never was able to reach that critical mass in America was because of the horrible For Kids translation. Turned a lot, like myself included, it turned a lot of the really hardcore One Piece fans off. Curse yes. you, crappy hammer gun thing. And don't worry, we'll get to that in the, later in the news. But but all, Bandai's big thing was Eureka 7. Because apparently, I didn't realize it, but Eureka 7's got its first movie at least. It had a movie. It's out. I yes. have a fan sub somewhere I need to watch. But uh, and apparently Bandai's were releasing it, um, I think, this year. And it's called Eureka 7, Good Night, Sleep Tight, Young Lovers. Yeah. And it's getting, a, it's getting a small 500 theater release. Whoa. Actually getting a theater release. Really. So, yeah. Um, the Funimation announced a crap ton of stuff. Uh, they're releasing a Dragon Ball box. Um, they announced how they're releasing Ava... They don't have AO 2.0 yet. They are still planning on releasing more episodes of One Piece. And they've announced Sengoku Basara. Yes! Yay, get so your guns on! They're putting their guns yep. on. The uh, Ava release for the first one's kind of weird in that they're releasing the... And this fall, we're getting the Ava 1.0, You're Not Alone, on DVD. And then in the spring, we're getting the Ava 1.11, You're Not Alone, on DVD and Blu-ray. Huh. The major difference is they fixed the colors and they added three minutes of footage. Yeah. There's really no point to buying the 1.0. Yeah. 
There really isn't. I guess if you just really can't wait. Like if you haven't found a fan sub already. Sorry, you're a completist. You know, I guess so. Yeah, I guess there's some people who are big enough Ava fans, they want every little tiny piece of Ava ever. And it's pretty much the exact same re-release schedule they did in Japan. So, And then they finally they announced the um, voice acting, initial voice acting list for Slayer's Revolution, Evolution-R. Yes! Slayer! This, this Le- is the one we're really excited about. This is Lena, Lena, Lisa Ortiz. Woo! Oh, that's good. Gallery, Eric Stewart. Is that the real gallery? Yes. Okay. Yes. Amelia, Veronica Taylor. Yes! Same one. Zalgadis, Crispin Freeman. Well, I know yes! that's the same. That's the point. They're all and the same except Please tell me that they one. got David Moo for Zelos again. Oh, no. no. Yes! <laughs> well, you know what Dave's other other big role is? What? It's Sanji from the Four Kids from Brooklyn. That same guy. Oh my god, why does he take every character I love and then murder them with their voice? Why? Because <laughs> he hates does he you. Do- he does! I think David Moo hates me specifically. Hates you David specifically. Moo, if you are listening, Douglas McCauley challenges you, you personally, to a duel for something I don't know. To be a better voice actor. Yes! Like, hey. I can do all of your roles ten times better than you can. Amen. But filling in for um, Zelos is uh, Michael Sinter Nicholas. It might have been the person who did it in Slayer's the newest movie. No, thing that's a different the... guy too. Okay, uh, they just can't settle on a Zelos voice. Well, the, the problem is that Zelos's voice in Japanese, like I, I just ripped on David Moo a lot, but I do actually want to give him some props uh, in that Zelos Slayer's. Uh, Japanese Zelos does have an obnoxious sounding voice to the Japanese. <laughs> it's just, it's just that their version of that kind of not not really as chalk on, nails on chalkboard like David Moo was. He was just supposed to be kind of like a guy that you just sort of just from the sound of his voice, you know, he's just kind of you don't know, like slimy. Well, yeah, but I disliked Zelos because of David Moo's voice acting. I mean. To the point where, back when I was a little teeny bopper, fifteen, writing fanfics, I would bash Zelos. <gasps> I don't. You did not. I don't do it anymore because I realize Zelos's purpose, and he is useful for his purpose. Zelos is one. I love Zelos. I. I He's was, an okay character. I mean, I, I, I recognize total, his purpose. But... I was a total Zelos fanboy. <laughs> this guy is. He's 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 actually found his own like dub studio. And he's actually the ADR director of the dub for this. Oh, sweet. He's also dubbed some things like Twin Signal, uh, Magic Users Club, and Berserk. Oh. He's oh. Al- he also does voice actors work himself. You probably have most recognized him as the voice of Dean Venture from the Venture Brothers. <laughs> oh, oh, that's crap. perfect! That's perfect! That's the exact kind of just slightly annoying voice that they I was talking work. about. And he, he's done like other stuff. He did uh, 2003 Ninja Turtles. He was Leonardo. Ah, Freaky. Oh. Um, he's done voices for other stuff. Like, I mean, he was Leo, whoever Leo was in FMA originally. He was uh, Mackie Stingray. Oh, in, in God. Bubblegum Crisis. Which one? 2040 or? It just says the original one. It just says Bubblegum Crisis. Unclear. Okay. It was probably the original since it's then 80 Police right next to it. So, But yeah, so I mean, this, this guy probably knows what he's at least doing. Yeah, and he's slightly annoying, but not just, too just annoying. I have hope. <laughs> cool. So there we go. Like all the important people were recast. So there we go. That's 
That's there was especially a, Lisa, Lisa Ortiz. That, yeah, that she was did. A, a she really did do yeah. a great because a great I couldn't job. stand that that one girl that they got for for the, the ADV, Slayer's ADV. premium and like the, the yeah, yeah the ADV with uh, Naga. Yeah, she's yeah. she's mildly annoying and wasn't wasn't there. She enough. had a list you know, in her you voice guys didn't too. Like that voice. No, Lena is loud, and <laughs> Lena is very Le- forceful, yeah. and Lena can't have this little tiny voice. What do guy. you mean? He was Guy in the dub of Gal <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard that, though, so I don't know. Uh, I have reports from the ladies that Guy is hot, however. I can't say myself. Are you sure you're not talking about Tales of Asperia? Not Tales of Asperia. Abyss. Tales of Abyss, Guy. Well, this is another guy who is also quite possibly hot. <laughs> Tales of Abyss guy is pretty hot. Indeed. Two well, thumbs up. And if I had more thumbs, I'd... Take I'd that guy and give him too. long red hair and make him a cyborg. And no. that's the guy from I doubt Gal it. <laughs> No. They actually look a little bit alike in the face. But, but uh, whatever. They're anime, anime characters. Yeah. <laughs> they look alike. And they, they all look alike. That's uh, racist. I that's mean, racist. Considering oh, the... oh, oh, racists. That's an excellent segue <laughs> into a show about <laughs> racism. Actually, I was going to go with cross-dressing. That too. That just, too. Yeah. It's a show about terrorists, kids. <laughs> That's why Pizza Hut wouldn't endorse yes. America. <laughs> so when they were talking about, like, I believe, was it... Pizza Hut in America didn't even it... know what Code Geass was about until... I think Neil Nadelman was the guy who's pushing it, or Carl Horn. I forget what, I don't know, it was 80 last year, and they asked him, why wasn't Pizza in the American one? Well, we called him, and was like, well, what's Code Geass about? Well, it's about this terrorist who's trying to throw the, you know, the uh, Italian nation. And they're like, uh, no. With help of it, Using we, magical psychic powers. With help of we said it's about scantily clad girls in animal mascot think, costumes uh, fighting girls in bathing suits? Too bad they will never regret that. And so in case you haven't figured out, what we're talking about is Bandai and Sunrise's mecha plot effed up hey, thing. don't diss the plot. It's well written. Wait, which, it's also effed which up. Which one? Because they did two <laughs> the past two years. Well, the first season is really well written. The second season kind of wobbles a little bit here and there, but the end, oh, the second, the the end of the second season ties it all together. Yes, epically. Like I actually hated Code Geass when I first when I first started watching it because I was actually only watching it over the shoulder of one of my roommates. Mm-hmm. But I actually saw the ending to Code Geass before I actually sat down and like knew who the characters. Like I would refer to the characters literally as that annoying pink-haired girl who's the guy that keeps spinning all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're talking about is Code Geass. In case you didn't get that from the top of the webpage. Then now where James is playing music.
Hello, Kokius. You actually cut me off before there, Basil. So I'd like to continue my thought. <laughs> okay. Continue. My thought, as I was saying, you know, at first, at first I didn't like the show. You know, I was going, who's that? Who's that obnoxious pink-haired chick? Who's the guy that keeps spinning? Who's the weird, super tall, super skinny guy with its all angles and keeps shouting at everybody to do things? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a clap designs. They're all angled. Unholy bastard but then offspring. I, but then I saw the but then I saw like the very end of Code Geass, and it was so dramatic and so well done that it actually made me want despite the fact that I've been disliking and been kinda of making fun of it, it cha- completely changed my opinion of it and made me want to actually go back and watch the whole thing from beginning to end. And it really does have, like you were talking about, a really interesting plot that's really well woven together. It's it's a very strong plot. I yeah. I mean, there are no filler episodes. The you closest, think there are, but then they're but then they're yeah, not. The closest that comes to a filler episode is episode five, where they're chasing the cat. But that has so many things that are so important that happen, like Lelouch and Suzaku on the roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler, <laughs> unlikely. But um, where Lelouch falls down and Suzaku saves him, and then he's on the council. Yeah, for the school. And that's that kind of sets up a theme for the Suzaku Lelouch friendship breaking and stretching and and remending. Mm-hmm. And so episode five is about a cat running <laughs> around with Zero's helmet, but it's not. I love that cat. Just... Well, uh, <laughs> does it hurt? I Harry? also thought I also thought that the hat episode. Oh God! <laughs> the hat episode. I want to say it was filler, but at the same time, I just know that no. even watching the episode, that so much stuff was happening in the background of that, yes. that even while it was filler, it was still important. And I, I hated that, because I hated those hats. I assert <laughs> the 30 seconds of Yes, My Honey was totally filler. So anyways, I guess we should explain what Code Geass actually is. Oh, they know. Maybe you don't. It, it, we don't. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know who's listening to this. Yeah, my mom could, might listen. She has no idea what Code Geass is. Well, there we go. Code Geass is an anime that was made in Japan. <gasps> I know. Oh my god. It features giant robots. It does. It Smaller does. than your average giant robots, but giant nonetheless. And genocide. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> genocide. Mind <laughs> genocide, mind control, and terrorism. It's awesome. Made it on Cartoon Network. That was Network. so horrible, it was almost Adult funny. Swim. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, the basic premise behind Code Geass is that uh, several years before the story happens, Britannia, uh, Great Britain, Britannia, develops this new weapon called Nightmares, and they're basically the, the giant robots that we're talking about. It should probably mention this show is a little bit of an alternate history. It is. Yeah. It's a history where... Well, it starts uh, in 2010, so... But, I but mean, it's in the, the history his- where the American Revolution failed, yeah. Britannia yeah. never... Britannia was always Britannia. They never stopped being imperialistic. But their yeah. island got invaded and the monarchy went to what is now America instead of the British Isles, which are now controlled, I think, by the uh, the equivalent of the European Union in this universe. There are three major powers in the world. I thought they got back. No, they, they got England. back. They did? Yeah. They did? Yeah, they, uh, Britannia had all of North, South, Was that in the series Europe, or before? All of Africa. The only thing that was really left was... 
China, 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 Russia, some of the Indonesia. Middle East, um, yeah, but, yeah, India, yeah. some of the Middle China East, Japan. Well, they like, had Japan initially. But. Initially, though, they're they're three they're three big powers, with Britannia being the biggest. Mm-hmm. But you also have the equivalent of the European Union, and I think China is the uh, the other one. But yeah, and the, the, and the other two, they really come into play in the second season. So prior prior to the story actually getting started. Uh, like just fairly recently, uh, Britannia invades Japan, conquers it, and renames the area Sector Eleven. And our main characters are mostly people who are actually Britannian who are living in Sector Seven. Eleven. Uh, area Eleven. Area Eleven, not Sector, sector Seven. You're thinking Final Fantasy. <laughs> I think you're thinking Final Fantasy with Sector no, Seven. No, Tifa. No. I was glad when she died. But, okay, Area 11. <laughs> so they're living in Area 11. Where they refer to the people as 11s. Yeah, and it's all about the Britannians being racist against the 11s, which is, if you know anything about Japanese culture, well, is really funny. Well, here's a line <laughs> for you. Discrimination against the numbers is our policy, says Cornelia. Yeah, so, if you know anything about the Japanese, is <laughs> yeah. really funny. I you think know. perhaps the creative staff was trying to make a point with that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Obviously, you know, Just Japan who action. didn't, Japan who didn't consider the entire rest of the world people during World War Two. <laughs> mm. They were just foreign devils. They had horns <laughs> on their heads. They needed to be killed. Uh but. Sure, there's propaganda films involving small, cuddly animals killing American soldiers to support this. Yes, yes. There probably are. But... There are. <laughs> I've seen them. <laughs> he knows. Ooh. But anyhow, naturally, there are, pe- there are 11s, or Japanese people, who are trying to rise up against the Britannians, and our main character, Lelouch, is a Britannian citizen living in Area 11, who through supernatural powers, decides, and his own crazy motivations, decides to help the rebelling Elevens to take back Japan. It's not a crazy thing. He just wants to make the world a very nice place for Nanali, his little sister. His disabled, blind, wheelchair-bound sister, who's sweet to everyone. <laughs> Naive. Everyone loves her. It should probably be mentioned that Lelouch is the estranged son of the Emperor of... 17th in line. Yeah, he's the 17th in line for the throne. He's mad at his father for killing his mother. He wants to kill all Britannians just for the hell of it. Uh... No, he just wants to win. Oh, yes, he just wants to win. Because that's when the fighting stops, when someone wins. And this maniacal madman was given the ability by a witch, because that's what she is, the... An immortal Girl, witch. is an immortal witch. C2. Uh, who shows up and gives this megalomaniac the ability to force people to do exactly as he says. With a the- brain bird. Now, he wasn't quite a megalomaniac until that he until he got the ability to become one. Ah, yes. yes. Before- the Lushby Britannia commands you to die! Like, but this is why, yes, call- this is why it's called Code Geass. Uh, for those of you who know a lot about mythology... Uh, there's a myth about Aegeus that basically was this same thing, where a guy got 
power that people had to do everything he said, but he had to pay a heavy price in, in return for uh, having this power to just command people. Yes, if he can make eye contact with someone, he can give them a command, or as many commands as he can make while keeping eye contact, and they will follow it. One per customer. Yeah, it only works once. <laughs> like one event. Until Orange shows up. Oh, God. Oh, God, I hate that guy. I kind of liked him. He has his use. I Well, he has his use, but... And, I love Jeremiah. And the fact that he elicited this hatred in me is probably a sign that he, as a character for what his plot device is, was very effective. Yes. But I do hate him. <laughs> oh, I love Jeremiah. He was awesome. Oh, God, He Jeremiah. was awesome evil. I just liked the part where Lelouch says, Hey, Jeremiah, here's your career. Here's a toilet. He totally makes him a laughing stock, <laughs> and he gets obsessed, and then he gets turned, and yeah, and Jeremiah stuff, and... has an awesome moment of his own later in the series that's probably a huge spoiler that Oh, yeah. Is there much won't... that isn't a huge spoiler, really? I almost said one myself. Well, the first couple episodes we can talk about pretty easily, since, you know, but I would refrain from, like, really getting to the end of the first season to second season until the spoiler section of the podcast so we've talked Kicks about in. Lelouch and who the hell Lelouch is. And so how about Suzaku? Who the hell is this Suzaku guy? Lelouch's childhood friend. Who's also Arch the son rival. of the Prime Minister of Japan, except he joined the Britannian military because he wants to make the world a better place by working within the system rather than outside of the system. Yeah. And it's actually his fault that his father died. And that Japan surrendered. And, uh, let's see. Oh, and he spins. He spins. A lot. Spins? Y- yes. Did you not watch the show? Spins, Aku. Runs up walls, does spinning uh, kicks. Uh, he's apparently a superhero. Like, ever, like, like other like, people in the show have magical powers. Suzaku doesn't, and yet he still comes off looking more like a superhero than anybody else. Yes. Yes, you're right. But he persist- does outrun bullets. That one <laughs> episode where with Mao yeah. or whatever. And Nunnally tied up. There is yes. a persistent rumor that the creative staff had a reason Suzaku was superhuman, and they somehow just decided to never share it and just went, eh, he's just badass. Well, <laughs> I think the reason why they never shared it is because season two didn't go according to plan. They originally... Season one was in like the midnight slot on Sunday that in Japan. That's when it was showing, and they had a very small following for it. But then suddenly it hit big time, and because this was a a Sunrise production, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Sunrise, okay. Bandai Sunrise. Yeah. They they decided that this is going to go into the Thursday prime time slot. So they had to first couple episodes of. Uh, re, yeah. they had to recap everything that happened in season one, which is why Rolo is there. Yeah. But, um, so, season two didn't go according to plan. They, I heard, read someplace that they actually had a reason for why Suzaku reacted to C2. Huh, interesting. In, in the uh, Bloody Yuffie I- episode. Well, I had a thought. That's sort of a spoiler. I was going to say I thought it was because of the horrible, horrible thing he did. Uh, <laughs> and, and it was just because she can seems to awaken the worst memories in people when people try to attack her. 
No, I don't think that's it. It's not a strong enough reason. There, there has to be some other reason. I think it's all connected with C2. Yeah. I think it probably... Maybe they'll make a third season as an alternate second season. Or so a movie. We can cross our fingers. It's we can make a movie, or, yeah. Or a Nightmare of Nunnally movie. Now, I, <laughs> I just have to... I have to have a moment nightmare in the middle of Nunnally. this the nightmare <laughs> to discuss my, my biggest thought about Code Geass. This is my... The thing that whenever I think about Code Geass, I always narrow in on this one moment. And this is one moment where Suzaku is talking to Nunnally. And Nunnally has found a frog in the garden. <laughs> and Nunnally says, Oh, it's a frog! It goes rivet, rivet! And Suzaku comes in and corrects her. Says in Japanese, we say... No, that's not what he says. No. What he says is, No, no, Nunnally, Japanese frogs say caro, caro. <laughs> in Japan... Ah. Japan, in Japan, frogs say caro caro. Now, he did not say the Japanese think that we that frogs go caro uh. caro. The implication was very strongly that this frog is different, it's Japanese. <laughs> and if you've ever taken a Japanese class or studied the Japanese language and gotten to know the people, oh my god, they all have that exact mentality. Uh. <laughs> I watched the dub. That's probably why I didn't watch oh, uh, that. Yes. The well, I dub. Mean, I, I originally watched the uh, whole series, yeah. seasons one and two, on the internet at work because they wouldn't give me anything else to do. <laughs> so, big surprise. So, yeah. Um, I But I've been re-watching it and, in the dub because sometimes I just can't read very fast. Oh. Well... Yeah, he totally is just like, no, no, not only. In Japan, they go, Kero, Kero, Kero. And it's just like, oh my god! <laughs> you arrogant bastards! <laughs> well, Suzaku is arrogant. They're all arrogant bastards. <laughs> like, everyone, everyone in the series is an arrogant bastard, except for Euphemia. Yeah. But who was... is the catra of the series, who stands there holding hands with a giant ring of flowers going, why can't we all be friends? Why can't we be friends? <laughs> she has a fitting death, if you ask me. <laughs> so, she picks up a cat and goes, meow, 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 meow. Shake it, baby. <laughs> She's also, incidentally, the girl that I used to call the annoying pink-haired one. Yeah, she is annoying. It's a fair call. <laughs> but she doesn't appear until later on in the middle of the... The, the first, first season. Admittedly, I warmed up to her shortly this is before after the end of the season. <laughs> the whole event when, when you know, Lelouch gets his powers and he meets Suzuku again after all these years happens during when a group of Japanese 11 rebels decide to stick it to the man and steal, like, the super power weapon thing. It was a bomb with poison yeah. gas. Poison gas. That's what they, they thought. thought. <laughs> but it turned out to be C2. It turned out to be the witch. <laughs> and Lelouch fell into the truck. Good job. And you know, you know, Suzuki went in his own way in a different direction, and Lush got less power. Decided, huh? These terrorists—they got giant robots. I could command these terrorists with giant robots. <laughs> hey, Valette, give me your mech. Okay. The first, the first battle, he literally plays like it's a game of chess, which is his weakness. Which is, yeah. and it's also the recurring visual motif for like the rest of the series. He plays chess. 
That's yeah. what he does. He, he gave did. everyone like call signs based on chess pieces, like Q one for the queen and P one, P two for the pawns. Well, they introduced yeah. the character initially. It's he's playing chess against yeah. aristocrats who think they're better than him, and he kicks their ass because he's almost the most awesome chess player on the world. He's a brilliant strategist. His problem is just that he tends to forget that he's commanding people, not things. He also has difficulty anticipating the actions of a single, well-trained individual. Yes. Like, in his head, you know, oh, I just have to, you know, oh, it's my turn to move. I'll move my forces in, and that force will just naturally kill the force that I'm moving it into. He never takes into consideration that in a battle, the other person could be a better fighter. Which is yeah. uh, where his good pal Suzaku becomes such a pain in his ass. He also has a major purchase for melodrama. Yeah, he does. Oh, God, does he? <laughs> that episode in, in R2 where he has everybody, like a million people, dress up as zero, that mm-hmm. was when it hit me that he is a drama queen. Oh, God! <laughs> oh, he is. That's when it hit he you is. that he was a drama queen? Well, oh, God, it hit me <laughs> the moment that he stood up in his zero costume and just flailed his arms like he was hung on the cross, that he was, like, on stage, that Lelouch is the biggest drama queen ever. Well, you gotta keep in mind that a lot of animes use all these, like, dramatic gestures. Yes. Amelia, for one. I am the great hero of justice! But, you know, Amelia her background is a drama changes. queen. Oh, I love that But Lelouch. I'm so used to that kind of thing that I didn't notice. I love Lelouch in his zero costume, his alternate persona, his mask, because... As there's a little side point from one of the producers said, you know, it just didn't feel like a Sunrise Mecca show if there wasn't a guy in the mask. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was because of Char. Oh, yes. Oh. Lelouch is a Char of an entirely different color. Oh, God. He's not red. Black. <laughs> yes. Those uh, black knights. Yes, he takes us, uh, this little renegade troop and he convinces them to become his black knights. His defenders of justice. Yes. Yet another Amelia reference. <laughs> yeah. Lelouch, in his zero persona, puts himself as defender of the Japanese people and all that is right and just. And Until that's no longer convenient, and then yes. he probably ditches that. Yeah. But picks it up immediately thereafter when he's done. Yes. Yeah. He does see the entire world as just merely his chess pieces for his one major goal to avenge his mom and. There are a Make few. World fate is safe for blind chicks. I, there's a few, very in few people cares. who I think he thinks of as slightly more than chess pieces, or maybe just Colin. really good chess pieces. <laughs> no, he thinks of Colin as. Yeah, the he thinks queen. of Colin as he a chess piece. He thinks Colin's a really good piece. Like he doesn't want to lose Colin because she's Colin's his best. Colin's more piece. of a knight. Because yeah. the queen would have to be C two. True. True. She's the most dangerous of all the. Uh... Well, she's also his total partner in crime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She is... He's a king, she's a queen. And so the basic plot plays out as Loosh with his merry band of heroes, you know, is <laughs> taking on marks. the the, the evils the of the Britannian Empire with the fate of Japan in the balance. Admittedly, while most of the Black Knights are basically nice well, people. Well, yeah, most of the Black Knights are just are nice people, and they are fighting for a just cause that they believe in. Sadly, most of the Britannians are basically nice people also. Yes, <laughs> who are fighting for a cause they believe is Some just. Some of them are arrogant, racist bastards, now, but they're not that bad of now, people. Now, while I say that, uh, while I've kind of been ripping on the loose, going, oh God, he's such a drama queen. He's, so, he's kind of, like, maniacal. Everyone on the all the leaders on the Britannian side are just as bad as Lelouch, like and they're mostly very... his relatives. 
Yeah, it very obviously yeah, runs where he in gets the family. That from. <laughs> and that's what makes Luce great. This is why I think the entire plot is great because no, there isn't black and white. Even though there's the uh, Lancelot that's white, and then the Black Knights, it's not black and white. Everybody has a, a except Schneisel. Schneisel's a dick. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he's just dick. straight up a dick. And yeah, no one can spell only... his name correctly ever. Cornelia is a great example of in my like I love the Cornelia character. Oh, she's great. She start you first get introduced to her and you kinda of think, Oh, she's an abrasive hard ass, I don't like her. But the more you get to know her, the more you realize how compassionate Well, you realize how compassionate it is. Also, once Yuffie is is gone, you know, Cornelia really takes up takes it up on herself to sort of get to the bottom <coughs> of what's going on. And it's really obvious that she does care about doing what's right and what's just and what's honorable, what's noble, and what's best for everybody at large. She's just surrounded by people who just care about power struggles. I also very much like Cornelia's uh, you-can't-lead-from-behind kind of attitude, where Mm -hmm. she would always lead her soldiers into battle. Well, most of the time she would lead her soldiers into battle head-on. And that's always awesome. (laughs) Well, here's a line for you. She says... Uh, they are closing in on the JLF, the Japanese Liberation Front, and one of her soldiers, Dalton, is leading the charge on the JLF's hideout. And her bodyguard, her, her knight, says, why aren't we going? And she says, because I don't have to steal victories from my people. I'm going to let him do it, because I know he can. Yeah, yeah. Cordelia is a great... I love Cordelia. I would follow Cordelia. That and she can take a beaten up nightmare frame and load it down with guns and come out with a death machine in like a day. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. But. Box of scraps in a cave. Better than Tony Stark. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's other awesome Britannians. I mean, you've got Valletta. Yeah, Valletta's. She does a complete about face, and she I really like does. That. Uh, she, you know, she starts off at the begin- very beginning of the series. Valletta's actually the first episode, and she's a member of this group of. This- they are the pure bloods. They are pure Britannian, and yeah. they are stuck up about that. They don't even yeah. want to let anyone else be Britannians. They don't want to let in honorary Britannians. Uh-huh. Yeah, but uh, over the course of the series, you see her com- her mentality completely change. She undergoes, well. I'll go ahead and spoil it because it happens so early on in the first season that, you know, she loses her memory and she winds up spending a lot of time with one of the Japanese. Ogi. Yeah, Ogi. Oh, Ogi's and, awesome. And their relationship is so sweet and lovey. And, oh, yeah. it's so happy. It's like the... Ogi I'm... was the leader of the terrorist freedom fighters before Lelouch came along and was doing kind of a... Well, a third-rate job, not because... Well, no, like, he's too soft. He, yeah, he's a yeah, nice guy. I do really like how at one point, you know, uh, the basically the TV producer guy that's doing their marketing for Deep them. Heart. Uh, yeah. he says He says to Ogie at one point, you know, he says to Ogie that you don't understand, we need you. And he's like, why, you know, so-and-so is a better fighter, uh, Zero's a better planner, what do you need me for? And he goes... To be normal, we just need somebody to stand there and look normal because we have yeah. so many amazing. It's like a people. great, like third in chain of command kind of guy. Yeah. He's the guy you want helping you organize uh, like a, a mount of your people and keeping them in line because he's the normal guy everyone likes. But you don't ha- you don't need him to be the hard ass who has to throw down the orders. He's an right. awesome middle management. Yes. Uh, 
But, and he has this relationship with Valletta, and then Valletta gets her memory back, and it's kind of sad because she goes back to being the bitch for a little bit, but then, like, it all sort of amalgamates together, and she becomes this wonderful character. Like she had yeah. all these great times, and she really just can't think the same way she thought anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the line where Ogie and Valletta are standing under a tree on the Ashford Academy grounds, and she says, you were about to introduce me to that girl. You said, she's my... What? <laughs> it's kind of a she's my uh complicated <laughs> <laughs> nice and you can't forget crazy scientist man oh gosh lloyd. i almost forgot lloyd yes let's not forget lloyd he's the best part of the show in some way he's constantly referring to suzaku as a part a component of a these. component of <laughs> the <laughs> machine <laughs> It's, oh, yes, it's it's a, a, this, this is the, Lloyd is a crazy Britannian scientist who builds the giant robot that is awesome and untested and no real Britannian wants to risk their life in. So they put Suzaku in it. If he lives, he gets to keep it. Yeah, that's pretty much how Suzaku gets his badass. <laughs> and he becomes the ace in the hole for Britannian army to deal of zero. Because he has this super mecha and he himself is basically superhuman and he's always breaking up Lelouch's carefully planned strategies. Because he's a wild cannon. I yes. mean, I mean, Suzaku's the type of soldier that you just he, point in a certain direction and say, go, and he's yeah. off. Like, he does not, if you look at the moments where they do put him in groups, he does not do well working no. in a group. He only has to be by himself, and, like, be a star, and in the end, that's really unless, what got him. Unless he's working with Lelouch. There's that one yes. episode Only near Lelouch the end. works well with him. Yeah, they are, they are, like, the perfect pair for a fight. I mean, Lelouch is the brains, and he's got the, uh, he sits back in that, I, the Gawain, I think. We I, think. Can just, I think we can just stop and say that they're the perfect pair. <laughs> <laughs> Two oh, testes. <laughs> how many fanfics have you been reading recently? Oh, gosh. Any I saw them. this, I saw this, this great, like, diagram that somebody drew, and that is, uh, some, they were talking about the Lelouch-Zaku pairing, and it was, if you are, are, are of the school of thought, that uh, Lelouch tops Suzaku. This is what you think. And it showed Lelouch sitting on top of Su- And it showed Lelouch, Lelouch topping Suzaku being like, Ha ha, you like this, don't you? Yes, you do. I can tell that it is the way you want it. <laughs> and Suzaku's just like, oh. But then, if you're of the school of thought that thinks that Suzaku would top Lelouch, then you think that their relationship goes like this. And it showed Lelouch still basically sitting on top, only this time receiving the attentions, going, Ha ha, you like this, don't you? (laughs) 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 Beautiful. And in terms of boy love, that is their relationship. I guess, well, yes. I, I think it's pretty canon that Suzaku is gay. I mean, he had Colin, <laughs> Miss Triple E's or whatever, completely naked, pinned to the ground, and he's like, not even looking at her tits. You're under arrest. That's I, it. Oh, oh my gosh, you, you reminded me of something that I just have to, oh man. Okay, in this show, they're piloting all these giant robots. Every time they show, uh... Any other character piloting this giant ro- these giant robots? They're sitting, they're sitting down. They're sitting up. When Callan is shown piloting her giant Motorcycle robot, style. She, she showed like mounted on it, like 
like she's yeah. humping it or something. I saw she this, is. this silly comic thing of uh, after the Gurren Mark II gets stolen by the Britannians and Lloyd gets his hands on it and, and Colin gets it back finally, the uh, the comic says, oh, what's this button do? So <laughs> 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 Lloyd, thank you. <laughs> in her seat well, and what's funny is that there's one point where Suzaku like gets in the Gurren I, th- I think or somebody else gets in the Gurren and they're just sitting normally <laughs> like it's it's like they're just sitting normally it's because Colin is the fan service I she mean kind of is they, they show her naked they completely never... like five or six times in every like the time, first half of the first season every time Colin is on screen in like the second season they're always showing either her boobs or like either a down shot looking down her dress and so, with her tits put together, mm. or it's an up shot looking up at her ass. TNA. There are other kinds of shots. Rarely. I, yeah. I mean, there's other shots you could use. Well, yes, there are other shots that you could use, but they did not. They were good with just the tit and well, just the ass shots. That's this all was they needed. The unholy to combination of clamp character designs and the. A hybrid of that redone then by the guy with the character designs for Godan. And they were always stuffing <laughs> Callan in, into things just so that they could do these angles on her. Now, admittedly, they did the same with making a lot her, of the other female characters. Making her trip over Lelouch like, multiple I times, I mean, you can't too. forget about, you know, C2's outfit for the first season. Oh, the bondage gear? Yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah. C2... Was... C2... There's a, well, there's just a reason why some people call it pizza butt <laughs> of the rebellion. <laughs> It's a great show. Oh, did I, we mentioned it was sponsored by Pizza Hut in Japan. Oh, God. <laughs> There's a Pizza it? Hut logo Pizza in nearly Hut. every episode. <laughs> and both seasons had a Pizza Hut episode yeah. where they had to make a giant pizza. Yeah. Like the size of a roof. And the yeah. aforementioned, they failed every yes. single time, I believe. And the aforementioned witch had a huge obsession with pizza, C2. Poor C2. She She's kept ordering the... pizza constantly to Lelouch's room. I'm racking up points. <laughs> and then she traded them in for a cute giant stuffed cheese creature mascot. Cheese coon! That looked like something vaguely inappropriate, if I recall. <laughs> like, I think she humped it at one point. Yeah. Probably. Not as bad as Nina with the table. <laughs> yeah! Oh, there's another character who's a racist bitch, and everybody hates her. I and know. rightly so. Well, okay, I kind of hate her. Well, she's, she's I started liking her and got to like her less as the show went on. Well... Uh, Nina is a racist bitch that everybody hates, and but Nina really likes Yuffie. Really likes Yuffie. As much as Suzaku and like, Lelouch like each other. Like, at one point, and this is canon, this is in the series. Totally really happened, we're not making this up. She is caught humping a table while... Looking at a picture of Euphemia. Yes. By Nunnally, thankfully, who couldn't even see what was going on. She has other senses. She has other senses, and they're super sharp, like Daredevil. (laughs) (laughs) So she knew what was going on in that room. She was just too nice to say anything. (laughs) That's how Nunnally rolls. (laughs) In her wheelchair. (laughs) (laughs) Curses, stares, my one weakness. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I didn't dislike the Nunnally character. Like, I did not find her annoying at all. But there were moments where I really wanted to see someone push her down some stairs. 
I well, like, not, not for any real reason. Like she wasn't that awful or anything. She's she just, just too nice. Well, she yeah. had to be there. She had to be there, and people don't like helpless people. <laughs> I mean, but I, I think there's some weird psychology. Behind but she's it, the but... classic DID. Damsel but, in distress. Yeah. yeah. And with that said, you know, the way they end the first season and go into the second season, you know, it, it changes that a lot because you don't see her. Yeah. Initially. For a while. And you don't know what's going on. Yeah, I was all. so angry, actually, when the first, when the second, the first episode of the second season happened and I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> I was so angry. I was like, what, what the hell? Who is this Rolo kid? What? Damn you, Sunrise. Same here. Shall we? Speaking of spoilers, spoilers, magical spoilers. We are now in spoiler mode, which means that, you know, we're talking about everything, Boy, we, possibly. There is so much that is spoilerific in Code Geass. So much. Yeah, C2's real name. It sounds like a drip of water. Uh, let's see. Let's start with the spoilers. Nunnally's not really blind. Lelouch's mother isn't really dead. And uh, Suzaku kills... Uh, Lelouch in the end. Uh, and his own father. Killed his own father, too. Yes. Suzaku killed his own father. Who killed Yuffie? Uh, Lelouch <laughs> gave a... Lelouch gave a Gius to... To Yuffie. Yuffie to kill all the Japanese... Completely by accident. Yeah. Lelouch well, yeah. That is the saddest part yeah. about it. His, he, like, he was just... He was, he, going, he was going to join her in the uh, Japanese uh, nation thingy she was creating... And then he just ran his mouth. Well, well, yeah, well, the thing is, is what he was saying was, he didn't re- as As the series goes on, Lelouch is slowly losing his ability to control his power. It's just starting to turn off. And his humanity. <laughs> like, at first he can control it. He can go, okay, I'm using it now. Okay, I'm not using it now. Okay, I'm using it now. At the point when this happens with, Lu- with Yuffie, he loses the ability to control it. If he's looking you in the eyes and he tells you yeah. to do something... You do it. He was, in fact, explaining his power to Euphemia at the moment it goes, which is on permanently. Yeah, and she, in fact, looked at him and said, is that really true? Do people really have to do anything you say? And he says, oh, yes, like, if I told you to jump up and down like a chicken, you have to do it. Or if I told you to kill all the Japanese. And, and that's when it slipped on her. Must kill all the Japanese. Oh, she was so sad. She was. She, she cried, and she's like, "I don't want to." To her credit, she fought it. She yeah. fought it for about two minutes. It looked like. Yeah. So, and at the end, before she died, she fought it because mm-hmm. Suzaku was sitting there holding her hand, and she woke up, and she's like, "Wait, you're Japanese? No, I can't think like that." Oh, it was so sad. Yeah. yeah. But uh. Can't you all just die for me, please? 
You're all really good at that. You are Japanese. <laughs> you like to kill yourself, right? <laughs> well, here, here's the other thing: is that time after time, sometimes things happen that don't go against that don't go against Lucius' plans that weren't what he was trying to go for, uh, and they end up being bad. Uh, and people end up accusing him for being for doing those things. Like the thing with Euphie, like Euphemia, he could he could have theoretically explained that that was a mistake. Uh, there are a couple of other things that he could have gone. That wasn't me. I'm not really the one responsible. But he always took credit for everything bad. Yeah. Well, that's also to his credit. That makes yeah. him a good leader. He he does mista- have mistakes, but he owns up to them and. That kind of annoyed me, though, as a, a watcher, not as a writer. I mean, it annoyed me because all he had to do was say two things to Suzaku, it was and they would have been plans. friends. It was against his plan to ever do that. He was trying to get everybody in the world to hate him in the end. In the end. And I think I he think made he was that doing decision. It, I think he was doing it for longer than he let on that he was doing it. I think that was when he made... The, that decision he made was when he killed Yuffie. That might have been. That might have been uh, when he made that decision. Although I sort of think that maybe the reason that he made the Black Knights the Black Knights was because he was specifically trying to set up villains. Hmm. Fortunately, they are way too nice people overall. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I think... I think there was definitely a, a, a design, a idea and design change between the two seasons. Yeah. Like, I think they were doing one thing for one thing, then they greenlit a season, two, and then they were like, okay. Oh, and we're in an earlier time slot, so we have to be a little less edgy in some ways. So they, I think they had to change a lot of what they thought and what they planned. And I bet Luke's probably had similar ideas, but I don't think it's probably exactly what happened in the second season that what happened the first season. And Sunrise has a long history of them forgetting what the hell they were doing and having yeah, the writers end true. up all over the place. Yeah, uh, true. Not always, doesn't always produce a bad show. In fact, Kogias was pretty good overall. It's, and the end wrapped things up nicely. It was a great but... show. The end wrapped things up phenomenally. Like, the last few episodes, yeah. I was, I was, I was the last almost several ready to episodes, quit. We were like, what the hell is wrong with this show? Where is it gone? What the hell are they doing? Everything's but then it crazy. And, oh. It, oh. It, that was the plan the whole time. Son of a bitch, Zero. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you I magnificent so bastard. <laughs> but, it was so sad that everybody's chanting Zero, Zero, and Nunnally's the only one crying. Yeah. Well, that was his. That was his whole plan. Was that he would make himself a villain so terrible that he would unite the world with his death. It's the ultimate martyr that no one is ever going to celebrate. He united the world. He unites the world in hating him. He sets himself up as emperor of the world, <laughs> lines up all his enemies to be executed, aka all his generals and all the people that ran the Black Knights, and who, all were, the his who friends, were his friends, <laughs> and it has the it arranges his own assassination just to unite the world behind him. What was the other show that did the same? Wanted to do the same thing. Well, um. Dune totally does this. The well, there was like an anime but... that did it. They didn't do nearly as well. Um, you know, I bet I would know if you had a title, but I, I'm not. I'm I, I remember when I was seeing like, man, this is so better than this other thing that I was. I had tried to watch, and I forgotten. Well, <laughs> I might be thinking better than I might have been thinking, you know. I'm sorry. I watched 
20 minutes of the first see episode, Destiny? and I was like... It might have been See Destiny. It see Destiny been, was awful. Like, it might have been even Death Note, because... Maybe Death, Death Note. Death Note wasn't really quite the same thing, because uh, Light never intended to martyr himself. Light intended to rule forever as a god. I'll, I'll try to remember it later, but... Don't, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, Death, Death Note... spoiler, kids. Death wins. <gasps> <laughs> well... Death Note, uh, the prem- the premise is more, like, the whole moral behind Death Note in the end turns out to be something more along the lines of... Don't uh, play God, it's dumb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, people who people who set out to play God eventually get done in by their own, by their own trappings. Uh, Code Geass is more, is more sometimes people need a villain more than they need a hero. Silent yeah. nodding goes through the room. Yeah, a little. Yeah, Watchmen also had a same. That's yeah. what it was. It was Watchmen. Yeah, yeah. It, it was like it was. A, it was in many ways. Code Geass is well, the logical the end of Watchmen. So I well, like it's been a while since I thought about it. <laughs> Shut up. I said Dune. It totally happens in Dune. Later. But yeah, it reminded me a lot of the Watchmen. You know, I think it happened in real life too. Like I'm trying, I'm sitting here, and I know that there's a real life example of it. Who it's a time, it's a person, character that, not a character, but it's a person that we all kind of villainize. But I'm actually sitting here thinking about it, and I think, uh, I think he wasn't really that bad. I think it might have been Vlad the Impaler. He wasn't well, really. He's a national hero in yeah, Transylvania. Like he, like he was. He there, you know there. Uh, hero, but everybody else villainized him, and it kind of or, united uh, everybody. To Edward, have Edward him. Longshanks, who we most know from Braveheart, is the villain. He was a great king for England and no one else. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I think Hoover is also a little bit mm. like that in America. You know, we all sit here and we talk about what a terrible president he was, the Hoovervilles, and all that. Yeah, yeah but at the same time, uh, he was just in the wrong time. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that was his problem. He was just president because at the he wrong was time. because he was so awful. People were able to unite under. Well, I don't FDR. think he was actually awful. He wasn't. I think it was just a matter of the Great Depression happening, and he just happened to be the president. He got blamed. Well, he was just blamed for anybody. Up. Yeah, which is how awesome Lelouch is because we have to compare him to real world monarchs. Yeah, yes, awesome. yes. This is how effective Code Geass was in what it set out to do. But man, that first season, because Kogias has a, every episode ends in a cliffhanger. Yeah. Every episode ends in a cliffhanger. Good the writing. Fi- to the very, very final one, including the first season finale. Yes. Which Good you, writing. Which, of course, then we had to sit through, although by no means boring, at least for me and Basil, you then had to sit through the first season of Gundam 00 before you found out what happened. But even then, they had their like direct-to-video or whatever, special you yeah. know, final episodes. Which ended on another cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. And then we sat through Double O. And then we got to the CX season. And Lush was dead. What? And there was this guy named Rolo and not Nunnally. Nunnally was gone. Oh, Rolo. But I, Lush is right there. Rolo was such a bastard. And I hated him through most of the show. Up till the episode he dies. And I was like, Rolo! And I, had... I actually grew to like Rolo before that. Uh, he, he's kind of a sympathetic character when you real when you realize that he's butt fucking crazy. Like he yeah. was he was raised to be crazy. Like uh, even he was in raised the scene, crazy, yeah. Even in the scene where uh, like that most people you know just absolutely hate Rolo when he kills that one girl, Shirley. Shirley. Yeah, when he kills Shirley, 
I still felt bad for Rolo because his entire motivation for doing it was just, oh my god, he's crazy and he's latched onto Lelouch. <laughs> and she's a threat. Yeah. Lelouch is my brother and he loves me, no matter how many times he tries to kill me. He never know. He didn't know. But Lelouch was trying to kill him like a dozen times. And yeah. failed every time. And Rolo, even after finding out about it, saves Lelouch's life at the cost of his own. Well, he, well Lelouch tells him about it. Yes. And Rolo decides that he believes in Lelouch's love so much that he doesn't believe Lelouch when Lelouch tells him that he tried to kill him multiple times. You're just trying to make me not risk my life, Lelouch. I will save you. You were trying life. to make me not die for you, Lelouch. I love you so much, I'm going to die for you I can freeze everyone's actions in a sphere around me at the cost of making my heart stop. Which is kind of a cool yet crappy power. (laughs) Yeah. He's kind of like a puppy. Yeah. You kick it and it comes back. A psychotic puppy who will kill people who he doesn't know who comes to your house. And maybe sometimes people you do know. Because they look at you wrong. (laughs) Maybe they looked at you right and he didn't like that either. Come hither. Yeah, now I'm really afraid of Douglas's pet dog, Bruce. <laughs> Did you not see what he was doing earlier when Katie was petting my cat? You know, Katie was going, oh, kitty, let me pet the kitty. And the dog was like, wait a minute, those could be my pettings. And then he ran up, he like chased off the cat and then like stuck his head under Katie's hand. That's totally Rolo. That's totally <laughs> what Rolo would have done. Yes. Exactly. And this is a sunrise Mecca show, it's got a cast of thousands. It really does. And I'm, lots probably, of people die. For every character we mentioned, there's probably like five more really important characters. Who... And I must say, I think Clamp redeemed themselves of this series because they didn't write it. Yeah. <laughs> All they did was character design. All they did was, was character design. All they did was concept character designs. And then the guy who I wish I could remember his name, the guy who did Gal Geiger and Godanner. He came and took looked their designs and adapted them himself, which is why they have that weird look of being really tall and skinny, but all the girls are really busty. Huh. I wondered what that was. But Clamp is very good at character design. Yes, they mm-hmm. are. And they're very good at... They do have good frillies. ideas. They like frillies, too. They do. They need, what I love Clamp their art. What really needs to do is have an idea, make the character design, set everything up, and then hand it off to somebody else to finish it, because exactly. they cannot finish anything themselves. Some of their anime has worked out well for, I think, that reason, is they yeah. just... Is they there were changes else. in the animation, they were even like, you guys can change some stuff if you want. Yeah. About it. I think the best sound was actually Angelic Lair of all things, when they gave it to Bones. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really like... Well, there's not... It's not without weaknesses. I really like Ray Earth. But, yeah, Mecha fan. Eh. Well, sort Ray of a Mecha show. I liked Ray Earth, too. I liked Ray Earth up until the second season. Yeah, the second season didn't make much sense. Yeah, like, they should have stopped. They should have yeah. stopped with the first one. But the second season, you know, fixes the problem that they had introduced in the first season. And in a lot of ways, it's actually, in some ways, thematically similar to Code Geass. And hmm. that, you know, the first season gives you this really effed-up scenario. And then the second season goes in to fix that scenario. The trick is in Rare, it was kind of weird and confusing, but ended up okay. And Kogias blows up even further yeah. with constant more plot drama over dramatic explosions until you're like, can this get any more over the top? Oh wait, no. There's Schneisel. <laughs> Schneisel! And the Democles! <laughs> It's the Nigel show. He can beat Lelouch at chess. He's got nuclear bombs. 
That's Schneisel in a nutshell. Like, <laughs> that was one thing. It's like, like, but how more ostentatious and over the top can we go? There it goes. Okay. Uh, can you do... Okay, you beat that. All right. Can, you beat... You beat... I, I'm not going to try to guess anymore. And you see, watching Code Geass, what was the name of that other show? Which was Space Colony? I'm looking at Brad. Oh, oh uh, uh, Sora Cake Girl. Yeah, this is actually why I like Sora Cake Girl. Sora Cake Girl, by itself, is pretty is pretty middle of the road. But if you've watched Code Geass, <laughs> and then you watch Sora Cake Girl, <laughs> the, the main space colony in Sora Cake Girl is voiced by Lelouch, and he's basically saying, playing the same that's, role again. And that's what happened to him, I bet. Like, he became a space colony. <laughs> He, he's basically playing the same character who beats a space colony now. And I mean, it's a Lelouch, space colony. I can't even think of his voice actor's name, but Lelouch was not his first role by a long shot. Oh, no. But now he's like typecast, I think, because like he's in also in Valkyria Chronicles playing <laughs> almost the exact same character again. Well, didn't he voice, or I know the American one voice acted Vash. Well, that's Johnny Young Bosch. He voice acts every male anime hero now. Uh, yeah, he does. Yeah. He does it well. Mostly. Uh, Depends on the character, but mostly. I think. Is he uh, one of the crappy band? Yes, he's the second yeah. greatest Power Ranger ever. You know, besides Jason David Frank. Well, to be fair, they were having sound problems. They were really having sound problems. I but, think that yeah, more, whatever. more main characters need to be voiced by that one guy that's really hot. <laughs> Norio Wakamoto? Norio Wakamoto, yes. More no. guys need to be voiced by Norio. No. Yeah. Troy Baker? Yes. Who the hell More is Troy Baker? More people need to be voiced by Troy Baker. <laughs> I the name just came in my head. We interviewed he was him. The voice was, he? was he Yuri? Yuri yeah, Lowell. he was the voice yes, of Yuri Lowell. And if you've ever seen him at a con, he's dead sexy. And he has this great voice that's so perfect for main characters and rival characters and villains. And, and he just needs to be the main character everywhere. I, I need to hear his voice more. In fact, if you just made a game where it was just the, you know, Troy Baker show, Doing where Troy was of every character. That would be so awesome. I would buy that game and I would play that Except game. Except for the one inevitable awkward, Hi, I have a girl voiced by Troy Baker. <laughs> <laughs> He'd do it awesomely. Probably. It would be hysterical. I'm Haruhi. <laughs> oh, Haruhi. You and your picture taking... <laughs> What what was her actual name in the show? Shit, you think I? You think? Morgetta? No, uh, you think I'd remember the token Loli besides Nunnally? But uh, yeah, the three new uh, was it three Knights of the Round? The three Knights of the Round that were introduced in season two. Yeah, I think there were supposedly more Knights of the Round. Well, yeah, there's like several. The others weren't important. They mostly get a little screen. I think there's twelve. They get a little bit of screen time here and there. Yeah. Oh, you know who I felt bad for? Yeah. You know who I felt bad for in uh, in the second season of Code Geass when he got introduced was the firstborn son of the Emperor. Oh, Odysseus. Yeah, because he's actually a fairly nice guy. He's a meat oh, shield. Oh, wait, he's the a, thir- a there's a third Loli. Yeah. The, the Empress of China, who he's uh, supposed to have an arranged marriage with. She's like, what, ten? <laughs> well, no, no, uh, the supposed... Uh, the. The supposed descendant of the high priestess of Japan. There's some girl who's important to Japan somehow. I don't know how, but she declares. Tagura. She declares herself that she is the bride of Lelouch. Well, Zero. She, she's, she's the bride of Zero because she doesn't know about Lelouch. 
Yeah. And Zero's just kind of like, eh, whatever. If it if it makes the Japanese people follow me more, why not? <laughs> That's cool. Actually, yeah. he had a moment of niceness about that because he had a decision where they save the Chinese Empress. And he's talking about, well, okay, we have this pawn. She needs to be married off to somebody to, like, alliance. And then every... Kaguya, uh, Kaguya and Zinghe, I think yeah. is his name. Yeah. They have a fit about this. And Lelouch calls Shirley. <laughs> and asks for Shirley's advice. <laughs> and in the, end, he, in the end, he decides to tell the 12-year-old Chinese girl that Love she can, must conquer all. She can marry whoever she loves whenever she's ready. <laughs> yeah, I think that was the most diplomatic thing he could have done in that situation is just hands off. <laughs> okay, some things don't touch. <laughs> you know, she was totally going to be married off to Odysseus, Her, by the way. His Odysseus, oldest sibling. His oldest sibling. To Odysseus's credit, at the weddings, Odysseus is just kind of like, I'm sorry this is happening to her. I feel really awkward about this. I can't even touch you for another ten years. You're twelve, I'm like thirty-something, it's, you know, this is gonna be great. (laughs) Yeah, but Odysseus's whole reason for being alive is because Schneisel really wants a throne. It's that obvious. Yeah. But he leaves Odysseus alive. Because Odysseus is a pushover. Yeah, uh, anything. Well, Odysseus tells... isn't brilliant like some of his other siblings. He's not a powerful leader I mean, like his he, other siblings. All he is good siblings. for is an arranged marriage. Like to he, he's basically just a power. nice guy who just happened to be first in line for a throne. Well, I mean, he, well, even the emperor, he's not going to give it to the first in line. Well, I mean, yeah, he's going to give it to whoever that. impresses him the most. Or whoever can take it from him. Or no, I, kills think, him. I think Schneisel's plan was to get Odysseus on the throne. Because if Schneisel is not on the throne, but Odysseus is weak, he can control Odysseus. Yeah. He has the power, but he can also be elsewhere yeah. doing things. It's like, yeah, evil chancellor, that's my gig. <laughs> my name is Schneisel. <laughs> that's Schneisel is sitting there going, so... I hear people wonder how evil viziers get to be a vizier. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Schneisel. <laughs> I've got a schnitzel named after me. <laughs> yes, that's that's how evil I really am. Oh, poor Odysseus. He was just he was just there to have an arranged marriage. That's all his whole purpose in life. That was sad. Well, and he's also he's also the one who totally recon- in the end of the series he's oh, the yeah. one that recognized Lelouch. It's like Lelouch, straight up, you're alive. He's like Lelouch, my brother. I've missed you. Yeah, I'm so happy you're alive. You will recognize me as Emperor now. I, I what? You will recognize me as Emperor now. I oh, okay. You as I Emperor. <laughs> I can't tell if he did that because of the Gears or if he was going to do that anyway. He was probably going to do it anyway. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he wanted the throne at all. Well, I think he no. wanted the throne, but I don't think that he wanted the throne with, like, a vengeance that a lot of his siblings did. I think he wanted it because he wanted to make the world a nicer place, but happy fluffy bunnies don't get the throne. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Speaking of that, that reminds me. My, my one-sentence synopsis for Code Geass is, Death, Doom, Destruction, and Butterflies. Yes. <laughs> Yes, that's that's fairly accurate. Wow. Rainbows and unicorns and rainbows Doom! and unicorns and cuddly kittens. And... Doom. 
Genocide. Genocide always makes the conquest go down smoother. I think my synopsis of Kokius was basically the Japanese made a show about how acting like the Japanese is bad and you shouldn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) So shall we wrap it up with how many awesomes out of awesome? I think it's about time. Out of awesome for Code Geass. Um, mm, I command you give me how many awesomes out of awesomes for Code oh no, Geass. I've been brain bird. <laughs> three uh, lollies of three different countries of awesome. <laughs> I'm going to give it 12 nights of the round of awesome. Uh, I give it a good cackling laugh of awesome. Yeah. 16 out of 16 awesomes because that's how many are on a chess team. Ooh. I'm only going to give it one awesome out of awesome because obviously that's all you really need. Ooh, we're trying to one up us. Burn! Uh, well, I mean, you know what the. Okay. Now get the fuck out of my house. I want to go eat. Yeah, I'm hungry. And the partridge <laughs> in a pear. So there are releases of Code Geass coming out on DVD. <laughs> Yes, I can talk a little bit about this for about five minutes before. I'm really hungry too, for so that's my minutes. motivation for keeping. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll keep. We'll keep talking. But um, anyway, uh, Bandai is releasing the series here in North America uh, in, in two disc sets at a time. You can get them either as just the two DVDs for usually in the neighborhood of thirty bucks, or they release limited edition versions that come in like boxes. And they come packed with extras such as soundtracks and these things called sound episodes, uh, which which are an extra bonus. Picture dramas. Yeah, pic- well, the picture dramas are actually included on all the discs as extras on each disc, but these are extra extras oh. that come packaged in the boxes. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised they haven't uh, released a t-shirt. Maybe that comes with R2. Um, but, but they're coming out with these, like... <laughs> Every uh, they're coming out with these boxes about every four months, and all of the first season has finally been released. And oddly enough, for a while it was it was pretty difficult to find the the third box, which was part three of the first season, uh, at least here in town. I had to go all the way to Atlanta to get it, but uh, that that made me happy. Um, the next uh, R two is probably gonna. I think the release date for that is either later this month or early next for both um, for, for both the uh, just the DVDs and the limited edition. They're going to release it the same way as uh, the first season. So the whole season, I mean, this is one, this is one that's for my collection. I'm definitely going to get all on DVD, and it's probably going to be completely released by early next year, and it's, it's well worth it. 
uh, as far as the boxes are concerned, yeah, they're pricey, but uh, if you go online or if you look at the right stores, you can probably get them for about 20 to 30 percent below uh, suggested retail price. And that's the plug I will give for uh, actually giving money to Bandai for something because I think they did a wonderful job with this, and that's why I'm buying them. So they're good at customer service too. Really, I got a nasty What's... disc that didn't play, and the I I can't complained rem- in the wrong place, but they still helped me. Anyways. I can't recall if they actually issued a partial recall for the second disc because that tend had a tendency to skip on like. The 8th episode. Yeah, on the 8th episode, like, five or six different times, and I just can't remember, so... But... Like, Douglas is now threatening me with a glow stick, so... Bodily harm by glow Like stick. a glow stick whip type thing. It's kind of kinky. So, we'll finish up with Code Geass. Good, crazy, over-the-top, watch it. <laughs> Lelouch! Okay, we're done.